Welcome to the Redemptions Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information, feel free to visit our website, redemptionshill.com. All right, well, good morning. There we go. It's good to see you. Um, before we get started, just a, a couple things real fast, just some points of of order and things going on to kind of keep in uh, in mind. Uh, we are starting this week Advent. We'll have three weeks of Advent services. Uh, then December the 27th, so the last month or the last week of the month, we, we won't have any service that week. Uh, kind of elders talked about it and kind of feel one or two ways. Uh, possibly a lot of people will still be out of town uh, with family, doubling up from the time that they didn't spend with them over Thanksgiving, so people won't be back. Or if everyone does come back, it may be a decent idea not to, after we've gone and hung out with all of our family, come back and get together. Uh, So just for one week, we won't be gathering. That week, then we'll hit the ground running again uh, in January together. So just want to keep that in mind so that no one's surprised. That means that there there won't be a live stream. There won't be in-public gathering. There also won't be a YouTube video on that week. We're trusting that you can grab your Bible and kind of lead your family that week. So last week, no service. Uh, Only other thing to keep in mind that I ask from everyone is we still have a serving rotation. Uh, We've made it as small as possible. Uh, Only two people to help us set up sound equipment, uh, somebody to help run the computer and hospitality. If you're signed up for any of those, um, could you kind of take a look and put some uh, notifications in your calendar? Uh, We've had uh, really most of those slots, uh, people aren't actually coming. Uh, So if you could do that, that would be awesome. I love you. Not trying to be too passive aggressive. Just if you're signed up, make sure you actually come. That would be super helpful. So uh, I'll pray and then we will uh, get started. God, I I pray that you would be here with us. Um, We just confess to you it is hard. It is difficult to gather together with only uh, a part of the family. Uh, We don't get to all be together. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be here. Uh, I pray for those who are watching at home uh, and for, for us here, that our, our hearts would be calm, that your spirit would, would show up, would do work in our heart, and that you would be glorified. So we are, we are here for you, expecting to hear from you, Lord. So draw near to us, do work in us, and I pray that you're glorified through that. So we pray that in your name. Amen. All right. Well, December is upon us, right? Um, in some ways, it feels like this year has dragged on for absolutely forever, um, and, and in other ways, it feels like just yesterday we heard a news release that some virus may be coming uh, to our doorstep. Uh, no matter how you feel about the spectrum of the year or how long it has felt or anything like that, uh, December still means uh, Advent to us. And Advent always kind of comes at the right time of the year, uh, especially probably this year. In the midst of a, uh, of a hectic year with, with, dare I say it as cliche as it's been, unprecedented, uh, literally everything, uh, in the midst of that hectic year, towards the back end of it, we may likely find ourselves, um, if we are honest, with heavy hearts, uh, weary bodies, uh, and then here's the other part, probably pretty distracted souls as well. Uh, And right in this spot is where the reality of the Prince of Peace comes to meet us in Advent, and and that's our hope for us. Advent is the time believers historically, uh, all through the world and all throughout time, have kind of paused what they have going on to remember the first coming of Christ. That's what Advent means, coming. The first coming of Christ, of of Emmanuel, God with us, where we slow down uh, to really focus on the one thing that is actually everything to us, the reality that Christ has come. 
that Christ has come, he's entered into our story, and in his entering into our story, it literally changes everything for those who believe in him. So we want to slow down and, and, and hold on to that and let that do something in us. In my younger years, I'll be honest, I, I kind of thought practicing a form of Advent was was just weird. Uh, I, I thought it was what my grandparents did, um, that it, it maybe felt hokey or overly repetitive at some times. Uh, I just had a hard time with it, but now I see later uh, in, in life where I'm not so young anymore and I've participated in it, it I, I kind of see this, that the years that I didn't have sort of advent intentionality or focus, that Christmas just kind of somehow came and went. Uh, their, their presents, their parties, their endless gift lists. I don't, I don't know about you, but I get literally everyone in my family texting me, what do you want? What do they want? What do they want? All over and over and over. So you, you get all of these things that happen and you have parties and you have gatherings and, and what can happen in, in the realm of all the stuff going on is uh, really a whirlwind takes us, fills our calendar and our mind so much so that, that Christ and his coming doesn't really do any work in our heart. We just kind of try and make it through. Uh, I'd imagine that you've possibly experienced this uh, as well, that Christmas just came and went and you found yourself tired, you did a whole lot of stuff, but the reality of Jesus didn't really do very much in you. So uh, for that reason, we're going to devote December to looking back to when Christ come and letting that kind of raise our gaze to the horizon uh, of the reality that he will come again. These messages, the three of them, um, they, they'll be filled with truths that probably you've likely heard before. Uh, these messages will probably be a slight bit shorter than the exegetical Redemption Hill messages that you're used to, but our prayer is that these truths would drill themselves into our souls and they would produce a, a sense of hope, joy, and love in us. You and I may be surprised that this year, the year that I have, I don't know if you would say affectionately called the year of the dumpster fire, might be the exact year where Christ reaches into your holiday season and meets you. This year, the tension that we've been in, the year filled with worries and stresses and decision fatigue and so much more might be the best year or the best Christmas that you've had because you're forced to, in this year, look for Christ and his comfort and his reality in a way that you just haven't had to before. What if that was true? Could, could we dream for a moment, what if this year is the year that it actually felt like Emmanuel, God with us, is actually with you? If, if it was the year that it felt like he was close, cared for you, loved you, and drew near to, to you. I don't, I don't think that that's really a far-fetched reality, but we'll have to do some work to kind of focus in order to get there. The grief and strain of this year gives kind of the perfect moment to do something profound by letting God heal our wounds, strengthen us, and, and then here's the other really, really important part. Uh, deploy us back out on his mission in 2021, healed up and feeling close to him. The first theme for our Advent series this week will be that of hope. We plan on doing hope, joy, and love this year. How Jesus uh, taking on flesh, how God becoming a man gives us hope tangibly in 2020 and how the return of Jesus, the promise of him to restore all things also profoundly kind of speaks into maybe all the difficulties that we faced this year. Now, when we speak of, of Christian hope, that is our, our theme, hope, terms become really important and need to be defined because we often do this, we confuse hope for some airy form of, of wishful thinking. 
right? But wishful thinking is just that. It's wishy, it's, arrow, it's, it's airy, it's, it's hollow, it's empty. There's no substance. Uh, there's no foundation to it. You can't get any footing in a, in, in a hollow, I hope. It just kind of floats there ethereally and it offers you nothing. The hope that Christmas gives is far greater than some subjective, wishful, I hope kind of thinking. Christmas hope is confidence that good things are coming in the future. Not in a prosperity way, but in an eternal way. We don't know exactly when that will be, but that doesn't really matter. We still know that they are coming. They have been promised to all who are in Christ. That promise, it also comes from God himself. If God gives the promise, it's worthy to be believed. Most things that we're used to hoping in really aren't that way, though. Most things that we're used to hoping for aren't a rock-solid thing. They, they, they have no foundation. Now, think for, for maybe a moment some of the things that you've wished for or hoped for this year. And then maybe think of the things that the people around you have hoped for as well, because we have hoped upon hope upon hope for things this year. People have hoped, you remember this one, that COVID wouldn't come to the United States. That, that ship sailed. We've hoped that COVID wouldn't come to our state. It's also gone. That it wouldn't come to our city, that it wouldn't come to our neighborhood, then that it wouldn't come to our family. For many of us, all of those ships have sailed. We've hoped that our kids would go to school. Amen to that one from me. Then we hope that our kids could go back to school. We hope that we'd see our families again. And if you're like me, this tension that we've wrestled with, you hope you see your families before some of the elderly ones maybe aren't there anymore. We hope that people will wear masks. We hope that the election will go the way that we want. We hope that we can gather again as, as the full body of Christ again. We, we hope that we'll be able to have Redemption's Hill kids again, and probably the people at home say amen to that one the greatest. We hope that lockdowns will end. We, we hope that businesses will make it through, that our, that our favorite restaurants will be there by, by the end of 2021. We hope that stimulus checks will come, and then we hope that maybe a second stimulus check will come. We hope that rent or our mortgage will be paid, that our job will be secure, that we'd be considered essential, that the stock market won't crash, that football season will happen, because who doesn't love football? We hope that we can still have our family vacation. I hoped on that one real hard. We hope that our COVID test will come back negative. We hope that a vaccine will be created. Most recently, we hope that that vaccine that is created is successful and then that we can actually get one ourselves. And then we've all hoped for return to normalcy. Right? It feels like if hoping were a muscle this year, you would have exhausted that bad boy. It's not strong, it's dead. Like you have worn it out. Because wherever we find uncertainty and anxiety and pain, we also find people hoping, hoping for something better, hoping that things will, will change. In this way, hope seems to be the innate posture of the human heart when it goes through difficult things. Think about that for a moment, right? If you know me, you know I have a little bit of an inner cynic that's always asking the question, oh yeah, why? Why is hoping what we naturally go to without being taught? I don't have to teach my son to hope. He does it on his own. Why do our hearts run towards hope so often? Why immediately in pain is our knee-jerk reaction to hope for something else? Now, I realize that, that, that some would say, well, it's, it's just science and, and it's, a, it's a defense mechanism and we've created it for ourselves, that, that really hope is just uh, what we do in difficult situations so that we can cope as if hope is just a, a drug that we take.
take uh, to, to not drown in our sorrow. But I would say that hope is deeper than that. Uh, even more so, I would say through the text that we're going to read today, that, that hope is theological. There, 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 there is doctrine that surrounds the entire premise of, of hope. Hope is not wishful thinking. It's not the opiate of the masses and hard days. Here is what hope is. Hope is the cry of the soul that inside knows that you're created for something that you're not experiencing right now. Hope knows that you're living in something that isn't what your heart was created to live in. Let's put it in another way just to make sure we, we can kind of fully ra- grab our minds around it. Uh, hope is the response to the soul that knows inside that things aren't as they should be and yearns for them to be put back together. This is what hope is. Hope is the soul that is still yearning for the garden. It is uh, the, the soul that is hoping for life before sin, that is yearning for bodies that don't break, that is yearning for, for, for hatred to die, for anger to cease, for worry to evaporate and pain to be wiped away. Look at the way the apostle Paul puts it in Romans. Romans 8 verses 19 through 23 says this. Granted uh, ahead of time, this is... This is Pauline writing in her omens, uh, a.k.a. this makes your head hurt sometimes. But it, it says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we await eager adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Again, that, that's Paul in Romans. Uh, I found myself in, in the office reading this and, and I read it. I'm like, I think I got it. No, read it again. I think I got it. No, read it again. But Paul says here, hear this if we break it down. It's not just us that deep inside feel that something's off. He says even creation, even the earth feels that something is broken. It's been subject to futility in a sense of bondage and corruption. And even creation, not just us, but even creation is yearning for the day when things will be made right. In verses 22 and 23, we get this picture. Uh, I think it almost gives us a little bit of a, of a definition or a, a metaphor for what, uh, for what hope looks like. It says that creation and even humanity inside groans together internally. If that picture isn't clear, Paul says this groaning is like the groaning that you hear through the pains of childbirth. If you've been there when a child has been born, if you have birthed a child, maybe you've just seen it on TV, those are some deep guttural groans. Paul says this is what is let out inside of us and inside of creation because it knows that something is broken. Internally, we scream out in serious pain and our souls declare this, things shouldn't be this way. This is the groaning, something deep inside yells, fix this, God. Each time we are reminded that the world is off, that guttural cry, that groaning comes. And author J.B. Phillips says something kind of like this. I've got to put my own little twist on it. But he says, because of the brokenness in the world, all of creation, so humanity and the the world are are straining on tiptoe 
for the side of things being put back together. Have you ever seen a kid trying to get a view of something standing on tiptoe? The author saying this text says that our hearts and even creation is straining that way. It's eager to see. It's eager to see things being put back together, straining to see our lives and our souls and our body and our earth redeemed, straining to see a day that our current pain becomes a distant memory. Hope is our groaning and our straining to see the bad become undone in Christ. The question for us is now, though, in the midst of a crazy 2020, when we have hoped upon hope upon hope upon hope, we probably can't remember all of the things that we have hoped for. The, the question becomes, do, do we give up on hope now? Do we numb out and just accept the way things are? And here's the drive that we need to understand that's a very realistic possibility. Do we give up on hoping because we've used all of our hope on COVID and a desire for return to normalcy? The true gift to our souls right now may be that the Holy Spirit is able to return our hope onto the hope that we have in Christ instead of lesser hopes in the world. Because lesser hopes can eclipse our ability to live inside of the greatest hope. Advent season in many ways is all about that. It's the restoring of the hope to where it actually should be. And it's restoring hope to the true place where you can actually find rest and peace. To realign our gaze on the hope that we have in Christ through Christmas, there are tons of passages that we could, we could read or dive into to, to find this, but this year we're going to look at Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Why is it that Christmas is a time for hope in the lives of those who follow Christ? Why is it that family gatherings and presents and ugly sweater parties and nostalgia are not the most important thing that we have going on during Christmas? Well, because Christmas is the time that marks, as this text says, the time that grace appeared. Right? Enjoy your family. Enjoy gifts. Uh, enjoy the other traditions that you have, but specifically and emphatically know that grace is the best thing that we have the, that, that comes from Christmas. See, sin from all the way back in Genesis broke creation and humanity in many ways. This is the storyline of the Bible. And in that brokenness, we had literally no way out and no way for salvation. There was no way to be restored or to be put back together or to be made right. We were, if left alone, if not sent a savior, literally hopeless. But in the middle of our desperate position... In the middle of our hopelessness, God made a plan to fix what he himself did not break by sending God the Son, Jesus, down to repair something that he as well didn't break, but we did. So Christ stepping down from his glorious heavenly throne was born, born of a virgin named Mary. This is the story of Christmas, born into seeming obscurity for us, which we've, um, we've kind of missed what that really looks like. In his birth, the glorious Savior was placed in a manger. We've somehow glamorized this as if that's like this shanty chic crib, and, and it should be on Pinterest, and it's really cute, but it was not. 
Christ, the King of kings and lords of lords, was born in a barn and placed in an animal's food trough. That's what a manger is. It is a herd animal's food bowl. And in this paradox of filth and glory, grace appears to us. Think of what that means and think of the audacity of that scene that night, especially maybe in view of our modern sense of entitlement. The only one who was clean was born in a filthy place to on a day later be nailed to a Roman cross to bring salvation for sins that he did not commit. The spotless lamb came to die for a marred and tattered people. Grace appeared and with it, we were brought salvation on that night. How does that reality still fit into 2020, right? If the inner cynic's going, that's a great story. What does that have to do with me? How does it reach into our current mess? Well, it does so because he, Jesus, came for you on that night. We, we can get so caught up in the holiday that we don't really understand that he came for you. The God-man came for you, where once there was no way to be saved or redeemed, now there is. Christ humbled himself on that night to ensure brokenness, pain, strife, and even death wouldn't be the end of our story. I want to be careful because over-personalizing the Bible is not a great idea, as if personally you were the only reason that Christ came. You were not the only reason, but you were a reason The text in Titus says to us, and now in this present age, after he has come, we do something difficult. We wait. Even in present pain, we wait for our blessed hope. The day that Christ appears again, the day that Jesus finishes what he started on the first advent, this is the second advent, the second appearance of our Lord and Savior. Because of this, Christmas, the first advent, gives us hope for a second advent. It gives us a way for salvation, a promise that Christ will restore and purify one day when he comes back and sets everything right that is broken. On that day, death will die. So will grief pain, sorrow, and the like. One of my favorite verses that you, if you've been around, have heard me say many times is in Revelation. I cling to it. On that beautiful day, Christ himself will wipe away your tears. Think of what that means in relation to Christmas. This means Christmas set in motion the events that lead to Christ himself one day wiping away every tear that you have cried this year if you follow him. Think about those. Have you lost someone? Have you hurt? Are you tired of being tired? Are your eyes red with the mounting pressure and the weight of the year? Has decision fatigue made you crumble at some point this year? Because it has me. Has your sin become ever more present in isolation this year? Here's the hard reality. When you're by yourself all the time, you can't hide from yourself. For each and every one of those possible things, Christ himself, the gentle and lowly Savior, will personally wipe away your tears. This is the hope that is unlocked and delivered to us on Christmas. And if that type of hope is available, this is why we want to take some time to slow down, focus on it, and ask God to comfort us with it. 
Church, what a shame it would be to exhaust all of your hope on things that won't actually help you. Here's the hard reality that we want to wrestle with. I'm not... I don't want to go too dark for for a a negative reason, but, but here's what we need to understand if we step back. Even when a vaccine comes, when all of our masks get tossed in that junk drawer at home, when we get to see our families again without worrying about them getting sick, when we get to gather without worrying about social distancing, uh, when online school is is not something that happens except for snow days, when infection rates aren't a worry and how full the hospitals are aren't a worry, there still after that will come another pain and then another and then another. There still will come another grief and then another and here's the other part. There still come more tears and more worry and more longing for something else to be fixed. Again, we're not trying to be overly gloomy for effect. I'm just saying The only true end to all of our grief comes not when we return to normalcy, but as we've been saying in in my missional community, but it comes when the king returns. This is the great hope that we have. The hope that's not just a band-aid over a gaping wound, but the hope that is a cure. The hope that will bring life to our souls and the soul in the way that we long to, to live with Christ the hope that's only made possible by the grace that appeared on Christmas. This reason is the reason for hope and the reason we want to set our gaze on this as believers. The understanding is this, no other thing happening, no short-term fix, no patch to a problem or want will will fill the longing that you have inside. The only thing that will satisfy is Christ what he has done in him returning again. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 34, 8, one simple verse, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. That's to hide in, to, to rest in, to let him protect you. In light of this psalm, Christmas offers us a fresh moment in time to take refuge in Christ by putting our hope in what he has done and what he still will do. The word of God says that when we do this, there's blessing as well. There's literal benefit, prize, consolation for us when we let the hope of Christ, which, which resides over us, protect our minds and our hearts. This is my prayer for you and me today and during this Christmas season that we receive the blessing of taking refuge in Jesus. that all of our hope wouldn't be extinguished on lesser things, but that our heart would take true and deep hope in the reality of Jesus, what he's done and what he promises to still do. Hear the word of God about Christ again, why he's come and what that means. Let this lead us into a couple more songs in worship. Isaiah 9 says this, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. 
the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's an exclamation point at the end. It is his zeal, his will that will do it. If you're a follower of Christ already, my, my hope is simply this, that your hope would be renewed. That you would take comfort in the reality of who Jesus is and just not lose yourself in the holiday season. And if you're not sure where you stand with Christ, my, my hope is this, that you would turn to him today. This moment even, because the promise to, to come for sinners and redeem is for all who find that they have need for Christ, which is all of us. You don't have to do A, B, C, and D in order to, to, to uh, have Christ save you. All you have to do is see your need and ask him to save you and follow him. If you're weighing that, again, I would turn back to the psalmist's words in Psalm 34, come taste and see. Come taste and see that the Lord is good and worthy to be praised. See if he won't heal you, make you new. And if you want to pray about that later, I'd love to pray for you about that. Gary, you can come back up. The hope for us is that hope would be restored to its rightful place this morning. We'll take communion during worship. There are some one-off cups in the front area. At any time, you're free to, to take if your hope is in Jesus. But 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 reminds us of what's going on when we take. This is Jesus. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're reminding yourself what he's done. There's the body and blood of Jesus for me. That is a, a sacrament of hope, if nothing else. It fills us up in the reality of what Jesus has done. I pray that during worship, your hope would be stirred and that you would take from the table and see the beauty of what Jesus has done for you. You stand for me today with me as we worship. God, I pray today as we close with these songs that you would be made much of. Lord, we need you today. I pray that our hope would be restored in you today. Lord, help us not to get lost in all the things that we have going on, so much so that we don't see the beauty of your son. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw near, that you would do work in our hearts so that we could feel the reality of Emmanuel today, of God with us who hasn't left us and hasn't abandoned us. We pray that in your name. Be glorified, Lord. We love you. Amen.